This program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Bad Priest. Episode 6. Blood Everywhere. There's a third option. There's always a third fucking option. The voice in my head, Mr. or Mrs. Murzoth, might not be a dream, and I might not be going crazy. The third option is that I'm actually possessed. That the naked girl on the mattress had a demon in her head, and I somehow called it into me. Okay, I have to admit it. There is a fourth option, too. The fourth option is that I'm actually dead. That would explain the blood. It's everywhere. I look down at my hands. From fingertips to elbows, I'm coated with this syrupy red substance. I'm also lying on the floor, which supports the idea that I might actually be dead. That and the fact that I did put an old-timey revolver in my mouth and pulled the trigger. But for the life of me, I can't find a source for the blood. I don't seem to have any deep gashes on any of my major arteries, my wrists, inner thigh, or throat. My melon and teeth also seem intact. I can't find any wounds at all. Another curious fact is that I don't have a hangover. I feel surprisingly fine. Maybe a little better than fine, actually. Energized. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not running the New York City Marathon anytime soon. But I don't feel like I'd be winded running away from the cops either. My eyes drift to the scotch glass, or what's left of it. It's in pieces on the floor, and I briefly remember it falling before I... My father's revolver is next to the shattered glass. Now, all of a sudden, I don't feel so hot. My throat is parched, and my lips are chapped. I don't want to look at the gun, but I have to. With my heart racing in my chest, I pick it up. I begin to open the cylinder to peek inside, moving slowly, not really understanding what finding the single bullet within would mean. Ah! I don't know why I screamed. The sound was clearly just a knock at the door. The worst part is that this wasn't a manly scream. This was a high-pitched shriek. Father Bannon, is everything okay? The fact that it's Diego calms my nerves, but only a little. I'm still covered in blood, blood that I'm beginning to suspect is not mine, especially because the single round was still in the gun. Yeah, that round, the one that was supposed to be lodged in my brain. Father Bannon? I clench my jaw and glance at the door. It's unlocked. Not only that, but I can see the handle starting to turn. One second, Diego, give me a second. There is no response from the hallway and the doorknob doesn't stop turning. With the gun still in hand, I scramble to my feet and rush to the bathroom. I stash the revolver behind the toilet and then start to shower just as I hear the front door open. Father, are you? I assume this is the point where Diego sees the smashed glass on the floor and the blood that I undoubtedly smeared on the parquet tiles. I strip and hop in the shower. Father, is everything okay? Yeah, just getting showered up. There's blood out here. Yeah, I know. Cut myself picking up the glass. Nothing serious. 
There's a lot of blood out here. I'm fine. I'm fine, Diego. Sit down, pour yourself a drink. I'll be out in a minute. As I scrub the blood off my arms, I continue to search for the source. There is none, which is disturbing, to say the least. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad I'm not dead. Especially because Mirzoth seems to be gone. I think. Are you... there? Uh... are you still there? There's a reply, but it's not Mirzoth inside my head. It's Diego. What? Nothing, I'll be out in a minute. As the water cascades over my head and shoulders, I wait for a demonic reply. Nothing. Again, I intrinsically know that this should be something positive. But with this revelation comes a plethora of questions. Questions such as, where did he, she go? Where did it come from in the first place? Was it ever really here? And so on. <sighs> I turn off the water and then quickly dry myself off. Just to make sure there's no giant gash running from ear to ear or temple to temple, I take a moment to glance in the mirror. Shit! Now, I might be a lot of things, but one thing I am not is a doctor. But, as I retrace the last few hours that I can recall before waking up on the floor coated in blood, the only things I put into my body were cocaine and whiskey and cigarettes. I'm pretty much the chorus of every country music song, minus the love interest, and yet I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I have never looked this good. My skin is flawless, bright, rosy, insert every adjective from a Harlequin novel here, and my body. Look, I spent a bit of time working out while behind bars. Everyone does. And I put on a bit of muscle, too. Not as much as Davy Scump, but I have a sneaking suspicion that he resorted to injecting something in his ass to obtain his physique. Ha ha, I know what you're gonna say. Prison and butt stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drop the soap and all that. Good one. But while Davy is at the bare minimum on TRT, and probably just running a full-blown roid cycle, I've done nothing of the sort. Looking at myself in the mirror now, however, I'm not sure I believe my eyes. My six-pack, which yesterday had just been a fluffy four-pack, is much more well-defined. And while I had a hint of a bicep vein in my left arm, now when I squeeze my fist, I can see a thick, pulsating vessel. What in the fuck is going on? I shake my head, wrap the towel around my waist, and then head out to see Diego. I don't know if he notices the change in my body, or if he's just searching for a source of the blood as well, but his eyes widen. You want to grab something to eat? Diego moves his head in a circular motion. I can maybe do a coffee. I smile and give him a mock salute. Coffee it is. And maybe some bourbon? Hell, if coke and cigarettes and whiskey gave me this body, I can only imagine what meth, Cuban cigars, and bourbon might transform me into. Ronnie Coleman, anyone? I expected to be hungry. I expected to want three sunny-side-up eggs, a ration of bacon, and maybe a few sausage links. Grits on the side. After all, I haven't eaten anything since getting out yesterday morning. But I'm just not hungry. So, like Diego, I only order a coffee at the Greasy Spoon. Diego waits as long as he can before commenting on my appearance. I lie and say that I feel and look good on account of all the rest I've had. After that, 
We don't say much. To be honest, I feel a little uncomfortable. I'm not sure what to say. So, Diego, what have you been up to for the last eight years? This doesn't have the same ring to it as, Yo, what'd you get up to this weekend? I imagine Diego feels the same way. So instead, we just enjoy the silence. One of the things they don't tell you about prison is that it's rarely quiet. I'm talking like maybe once in a blue moon. There's always someone shouting or snoring or farting or fighting. As with most things, you get used to it. But there's nothing like pure, unadulterated silence. I glance out the window and across the street. I was the one who chose this greasy spoon, although I'm not really sure why. It's in a part of town that I normally don't go, and I've never been here myself. It just popped into my head. There's a police car cordoning off an alleyway between what appears to be an apartment building and a laundromat. Diego cranes his head around to follow my gaze. What's going on? I shrug. I don't know, I just... An intense pain flares in my left temple, but when I instinctively close my eyes, I don't see darkness. Instead, I observe a scene that's tinted red. It's like watching a movie through only the left half of those old paper 3D glasses. I see the same alleyway, but the cops aren't there, and it feels like nighttime. It's also so hyper-realistic that it seems more like a memory than a hallucination, and my eyes snap open. <clears throat> I don't know. But even as I say this, I'm already rising to my feet and starting toward the door. Father? I'll be right back. Wait, wait here. Before Diego can protest, I'm already out the door and making my way across the street. As I do, I reach into my pocket and grab my dog collar and put it around my throat. Yesterday morning, I wanted to throw the damn thing out. Now it feels like a part of me that I just can't get rid of. I'm sorry, this area is off limits to the public. I nod respectively and then lift my chin to show the police officer my collar. Is there anyone in need of last rites? Upon realizing that I'm a priest, the officer's tone and posture immediately changes. A little late for that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. <laughs> the cop chuckles a little and I peer over his shoulder. A crime scene technician is starting to lift a blood-soaked sheet from a body not 20 feet from where I stand. I don't think last rites would cut it here, father. Why is that? What happened to this poor schlep? That's the work of pure evil. As if on cue, the technician pulls the sheet back and I see what's left of a human body. The man's chest has been split from belly to throat and the ribcage torn apart. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm no doctor. But I know that the human torso isn't supposed to be completely empty. I'm pretty sure organs belong in there. Kidneys and a liver and other shit. But this body is... Oh! My vision goes red again, and I hear a strange heartbeat between my ears. The first thing I see is the body, only it's intact. The man lying on the ground is either dead or sleeping, but his chest isn't torn open. Not yet, anyway. Hands reach out, human hands, and they start to work on the poor man's pale chest. In seconds, blood begins to pour from the fresh wound. I try to block out the vision, but I can't. I can't because I recognize those hands. They're my hands. Father? I stagger, and the police officer grabs me before I fall. I'm fine. I'm fine, sorry. <sighs> the vision is gone. 
Diego obviously didn't listen to me because he's beside me now. You sure you're alright? Fine. I wrap my arms around Diego and he leads me away from the crime scene. I take two, three steps, and then my old friend returns. Do you like our handiwork, Father Baron? If Diego hadn't been holding me at this moment, I would have fallen. But somehow, my much smaller friend manages to get me back to the diner and I collapse into the booth. Saying nothing, I reach for my coffee, but my hand is trembling so badly that I can barely get it to my mouth without spilling it. Diego. I don't want to meet his gaze, but there's something I have to ask him. When I was inside, did you... Did you perform any... You know... Exorcisms? Diego doesn't answer, and I'm forced to look up at my friend. I can tell by the slight flush to his cheeks what answer he's going to give even before he opens his mouth. Just one time. It didn't go so well. I'm really sorry, Father. I know that. I cut him off by shaking my head. No, that's good. That's good? Why is that good? I take another sip of my coffee, and somewhere deep inside my head I hear Mirza start to laugh. (laughs) Because that means you have a little bit of experience. Diego, I'm going to need you to do another one. Diego's dark eyebrows rise up his forehead. What? Father Bannon, I don't really... Curiosity wins out. On who? Who do I have to perform an exorcism on? I look down at my hands, the same hands that had been covered in blood this morning. The same hands I had seen tearing open a man's chest. And in the back of my head, I can still hear Mirzoth's horrible laughter. On me, Diego. I'm going to need you to perform an exorcism on me. This has been Bad Priest, Episode 6, a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Written, produced, mixed, and narrated by Patrick Logan. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can also visit us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash badpriestpodcast.